0: I'm your host, Nick Ginsberg, and you're listening to The Open Drive, a podcast focusing on authentic living and defining your own path against the odds. Hi there, welcome to episode three. Can you believe it? Welcome to any new listeners and welcome back to my existing listeners. I'm so thrilled that you are joining me on this journey. I want to remind everyone before we dive into episode three, that this podcast covers some darker content. So there will be discussions around childhood trauma, mental illness and addiction. So just to give you fair warning. Also for any new listeners, you can follow both myself personally and our podcast on Instagram, so the podcast Instagram is at The Open Drive, and you can follow me personally on Instagram as well, and that's at Nick Ginsburg. No spaces, no dots, no underscores, no stars, no nothing like that. Also, if you are listening, make sure that you hit subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening on so that you can keep up to date and be notified when a new episode of The Open Drive Podcast drops. In today's episode, we're going to take a bit of a deeper look into the thought and uh, my favorite saying, which is that your life experiences don't have to define your path. So for me, that was something that I was very conscious of as a kid. So just as a recap for any new listeners, I grew up, my parents struggled quite heavily with uh, addiction and mental health issues. Uh, they did the best that they could, but it meant that my childhood was was uh, pretty rough and quite up and down. So it's taken me a little bit to get to this point to share, and I want to share this with everyone to really help people. So it's not about pity or sympathy or anything like that. I want to be able to help people and share what I've learned along the way to help anyone that's that's going through something similar or that can sort of resonate with this message. With this, I and I was it must have been very young when I first started kind of thinking about it, but I I noticed it to be really prominent when I was in my teenage years. So as I watched friends particularly take sips of alcohol from parents, so you know when you get to that age, probably 13 or 14, and your dad or your mum or your grandfather or grandma or whatever would go, oh yeah, yeah, you can have a sip of my brandy or whatever. I know that my grandparents did that, so Louise's parents, and I never wanted to do it. And I remember thinking, that's not for me. I don't want to go down that path. I want my life to be very different to my parents. Interestingly, it got stronger as I got older. So as I moved through my teen years, that my resolve got much stronger. So I had no desire whatsoever to drink. I had no desire to do any drugs. I never smoked. And apart from the substance side of things, I knew that I had to look after myself mentally to a degree. So I found as best as I could as a teenager, outlets to help me process what was going on. And to be really frank, a lot of the times that was music. So I'm will i going to do a whole episode on uh, finding escape and meaning through music. And it's something that really got me through, particularly my teenage years and early 20s. This idea of you being able to define your own life also uh, was strong with me because I didn't want to be poor. And it's not that I wanted to be rich or live in a huge mansion and drive an amazing car, but I didn't ever want to have to think, what was I going to eat the next day? Or what was for dinner? One of the things that I had growing up, which at the time, I, I guess when you're in it, it doesn't it twig as quickly, but for me, I would wait sometimes until 8pm at night to eat dinner and I would end up eating a bowl of cereal. So that would be my dinner because I wasn't sure what was going to come or whatnot. Or I'd eat two minute noodles actually. They were really delicious by the way. And I still eat two minute noodles. I know they're bad for me, but you can't take them away from me. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. So it was that idea of, I don't ever want my life to be, consumed by the things that my parents' lives were consumed by. So short of money, not being able to pay the car reggio or the electricity or living paycheck to paycheck. And in the end it was sort of Centrelink payment to Centrelink payment. I didn't want to be reliant on a substance. And I knew that I had an addictive personality. I could feel it in me. And so I tried and fought so hard against that. Now, there has been a number of times where this has come up and I've had to stand my ground and make sure that I'm listening to myself. That started young. So on the Gold Coast, it is uh, probably not... uh, Uh, there's some bogans. I was going to try and find a nice way of saying that, but there isn't. And so what happens is a lot of those, a lot of the kids would start drinking early. So I remember sort of year nine and 10 in high school, which is ages 14 and 15, kids starting to drink. I never got offered anything. And I was smoking and doing all of that. But I could have ended up down that path. I could have very easily gone to them and been with that group of friends. But again, I knew that that wasn't what my life was going to be. I was never going to go down that path. That path was not for me at all. When I got sort of 17-ish and we started hitting schoolies, so schoolies, in case you're listening and you don't know what that is, schoolies is a week, maybe it's two weeks, no, I think it's a week. Correct me if I'm wrong. Someone flick me a DM when you're listening to this on Instagram, if, if I'm wrong. Uh, it's a week where most people travel to the Gold Coast, get to stay in the high rises, Kids drink. There's teenagers everywhere. It's bedlam and also known as literally my worst nightmare. So as we were coming up to that, there's huge discussions around how much alcohol is your unit going to have? Uh, Is someone going to be taking drugs of any kind, either minor drugs to major drugs? Who smokes? Who doesn't? There's all those conversations, right? And I had to then start having the conversation with people that I don't drink. I don't want to drink. It's not for me. Of course, when you say that, particularly as a teenager, you open yourself up as a target, but also you open yourself up to questions. Now, I wanna be very clear. I get questioned constantly, even now, about why I don't drink. The drinking culture in Australia is such that if you don't drink, people automatically assume that you're a recovering alcoholic. That is the auto assumption. People will usually screw their face up at me or act shocked that I don't drink. I have to offer them some form of explanation. That explanation is usually not even the truth. (laughs) I'm terribly sorry if you're listening to this and I've told you that I don't drink because I don't really, I don't need to, or I don't want to, or I'm loud enough without alcohol I don't need alcohol to have fun. That's my default answer, by the way. If someone really wants to go in and ask me the question, I will be honest and say, I grew up with an alcoholic, with alcoholic parents. It's not something I want to do. It's at that point, people generally go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that's not the answer I'm looking for. Uh, As in like, I don't, I mean, I I appreciate uh, you feeling sorry, but that's not why I say it. And so I've had to do that and had those conversations really from when I was 16, 17, right through to, I had this conversation probably a week and a half ago with someone. Each time I have that conversation and each time I'm in that environment where I could just easily go, oh, I'm sick of asking this or answering this question. I'm just going to have a drink. That is a decision. I am making a decision. And for me, the decision I always make is not to be like my parents. The same thing has gone in terms of money. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details about my financial situation. Don't act surprised. And by the way, I'm not wealthy. God, I kind of wish I was at the minute. Um, But I'm not. Um, so, I when I got out of school, I got my first job. I was a telemarketer. I made sales. I had to hit targets. I earned a great living. I didn't save a penny because no one taught me. No one taught me. What that ended up doing is it made me then chase jobs that could pay me a bit more and then a bit more and then a bit more and then a bit more so that I didn't feel like I was on the poverty line. There was a moment in between my first telemarketing job and when I got my first retail job at Supre in Queen Street Mall in Brisbane City. Don't knock it till you've tried it. It was a fun place to work. Shout out to Jess Jerome, Colin, Love, loved. even though we didn't work together, we all worked at that store at one point or another. They're my best friends, by the way. So. In between that period, I was on Centrelink. I was earning New Start, I think it was called at the time. I hated every second of it. Hated it, but I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to get out of that cycle. And when I was earning Centrelink, I thought, holy crap, I'm going to end up in the same cycle as my parents. But the moment I got up to Brisbane, thanks to Colin, and got a job, I started earning my own money. I was paying my own rent. I was paying for my own phone bills. I mean, I was 20, 19 or 20, and figuring out life. No one had taught me about money at all. And again, this isn't me bashing my parents. They did the best with whatever life threw at them, but they didn't teach me any of that. And so I had to figure that out as best as I could. My friend Colin tried to teach me. Poor thing. He tried so hard to teach me um, for for a little bit. He was very good at saving and putting money aside and doing all of that. I was horrible. Um I got a check in and I wanted to spend it straight away and it was to spend it. And I look back now and realize why, but I'd get a check. I I love that I say check, like I'm living in 1992. Um, I would get my my pay deposited and I would go out and buy the best thing that I could with that amount of money. So that meant the newest bit of technology, the newest headphones, uh, whatever it was. And it was to signal to the world that I'm not poor. I don't come from a poor place. Now, my will tell me that that was not good behavior because I'm just kind of shielding it and perception managing people. However, it was me fighting so hard to get away from that life that I grew up in. I kept doing that until I moved to Melbourne. When I moved to Melbourne, or just before I moved to Melbourne, so that was in 2011, I'd say maybe a few months before that, I really started focusing on my income. So I was earning a good salary. I was able to put a little bit away. I was still really hopeless at saving and I was still buying stuff I really didn't need to. Like every time a new iPhone came out, you better believe that I got the best iPhone the moment it was released, there was no way anybody was ever uh, going to beat me on that. Like, uh, it was always me. I was, I it just, that's just what I was. I love Apple. So I was constantly doing that. Moved to Melbourne. Few months later, I met my now husband. And he was really good at talking me through the value of money and the importance of not spending everything you have. So over that time that we've been together, he's really helped me understand the value of money and that the material things do not define who I am, which has added a whole nother layer to this conversation. And now I save. I don't buy the new stuff that comes out all the time. I buy it when I need something but I have created this life that I'm at now through choices. Each moment of my life where I could have chosen to go and just live off Centrelink, stay on the Gold Coast my whole life, drink, do drugs, smoke. Each time I chose something other than that, It was me saying my life experiences, my childhood will never define my path in life. You can probably hear that my voice gets a bit shaky, but a bit firm (laughs) when I say that, because it means so much to me. My childhood... And the experiences within that period, whilst they've made me who I am, they are never going to define where my life goes. That is for me to decide. Like I said at the end of episode one, you are in the driver's seat of your life. You're holding on to the wheel. You need to decide where you go. If you are going through any form of struggle or you have had a rough childhood like me, everyone's experiences are different and I don't pretend to think that what worked for me is going to work for you and vice versa. Nor what you experienced is any worse or any less or whatever. We're all different. It's just different situations. But if you're struggling or you've been through something similar or you've had a rough childhood and you feel like those experiences need to define where your life takes you, it's bull. And I say it's bull with love. I don't say it in a nasty way. You decide. So every time a choice comes up in your life, you decide, where does that take me? So don't always look at the now When those choices come up, go, okay, if I choose this path, where does it lead? If I choose this path, where does it lead? You need to think about that. And it is not as easy as it sounds. (laughs) It's really not. When I tell you I fought hard for every choice, I fought really hard really hard. Let's just remember, I'm, I'm a gay guy, and gay men stereotypically love to drink, party, have fun, go out all night. Can you imagine how many times I've had to say to someone, no, I don't drink, no, I don't smoke, no, I don't do drugs. Every time someone has asked me that, I've had to explain myself. And it reaffirms the decisions that I'm making. But it's hard to go through that. It really is. to have to keep saying that over and over and over again. And to most people, what I say is a glossed over version, like I said. So it's tricky. But you make the choice. Even if it's really hard, you make sure you make that choice that is right for you. I'm going to leave you on that point I think it's a good place to end episode three. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow both the podcast Instagram at The Open Drive and my Instagram at Nick Ginsberg. And finally, join in the conversation. Let's share our stories. When you follow, flick me a DM, say hi, tell me a bit about yourself. I'd love to have a chat. So, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, rest of your week, rest of your night, a good night's sleep whenever you're listening to this or a good drive to work once we can finally get out of lockdown. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. Have a fantastic time and I will chat to you in episode four. See ya.